didn't think that would get you. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say something. I just did the same as you. Just went, eh. Oh, okay, okay. No, I thought you were saying something. My bad. Like a sheep getting electrified. Is that eh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, comes in pints. So do I. <clears throat> eh. Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Mr. 100% Chuck Bailey and Super Producer Ian Stimson. And for once, there is a little bit of football that we can talk about. Yeah, yeah hell yeah. Bundesliga's back. German, Korean League, right? Korea still oh, well, playing? yeah, no, we are the official K-League podcast, yeah. Was yes. K-League, K-League still a thing? <laughs> they had a very, <laughs> small, very small honeymoon period of everyone going, oh, there's football, <laughs> K-League's back, and all of a sudden like, oh, get away, Europe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who, who, says, who says the public want Brexit? The public, apparently. No. The public did, yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> sure there was a vote on that one. So we had a, a round of the bluffer that was not recorded, but... Was quite fun yesterday, right? With the Patreons. But that was yeah, that was yesterday, wasn't it? I don't remember what days are. Uh, I just remember <laughs> that you won again. You win everything. That's not true. I didn't. Well, oh, actually, speaking oh, of, God. I fucking listened back to our episode last week, and we very clearly said at the beginning that if either Chuck or I won the week, we were going to be crowned champions. And then, of course, Chuck snuck in there before anything, and was like, "Well, we had a tie, actually, so we got to go to a tiebreaker before anybody has a chance to notice." And yeah. I got to make sure that Oscar doesn't win. And then Ian ended up with the quote-unquote title. No, but hang on. Yeah. You were there. You had the ability at the time to go, an hour ago, We I said something different. Yeah. But because your mind doesn't work, so you can do Pixar movies in order, but when it comes to remembering a conversation we had an hour ago, you just forgot. I win. Pod canon. That's, that's how it goes. I don't accept it. I don't accept it. Also, private second class is indeed a thing. As verified by military ranks. I mean, I mean, I mean, I went on the official US Army website. It's not there. Like, it doesn't <laughs> exist. I went on the Department of Defense website. It doesn't exist. Mm. We argued about this with such you're wrong. You just <laughs> highly contested. A, this isn't a democracy. B, if it was a democracy, <laughs> two to one. I win. I win. Well, we got to let Ian have the win. He, yeah, but he's not got long left. No, it's true. I mean, look. And, in life? Yeah, because <laughs> you're old. It's an old joke. <laughs> Good lord. All right, well, let's kick it off as we always do, as we haven't done <laughs> in many months, but we're very excited to again. And that is with <coughs> Rapid, Rapid, Rapid Fire News. The jingle might have been deleted. <laughs> <laughs> you could always just make a new one. That's, that's the super and super producer. Our top story this evening... That's right. Hearts have been relegated from the Scottish Premier League. That's the big story everybody's talking about this <laughs> week. Yep. Celtic have been confirmed as Scottish champions for the ninth season in a row. And Hearts have been relegated after the Scottish Premier League or the Scottish SPFL. What does PFL stand for? Um, uh, Premier Football League. Our Scottish Premier Football League has voted to end the season. Profe- Premier Fantasy League. The Scottish Professional oh. Football League. Okay. Oscar. Oscar, 
without just saying Scotland, where do hearts play? Uh, Glasgow? Point to Chuck. Edinburgh? <laughs> 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 where, where do they play? I'm waiting. Edinburgh. They play in Edinburgh. Yeah. I may have driven past their stadium, actually. Stadium. stadium. Whatever. That's a bit. <laughs> Both had the same joke there. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, nothing if not consistent. One of the other leagues did also vote to end their season, and that is the Belgian League Club Bruges have been declared the champions. Well, that was a saga that was going on for so long. Genk. That's a Belgian team. And Ghent. Yeah, they have a Genk and a Ghent. Yeah. Only an idiot would mistake those two. Mm, I'm sure I've done it at some point. Liverpool fan. The Liverpool fans. Oh, yeah. Remember? They bought the wrong tickets. They didn't check and then went to a restaurant and didn't know where it was. And just asked someone. Didn't check the smartphones. Yeah, of course. Yeah, wankers. At a time where you could just be so frivolous about international transport. I know, right? (laughs) What a a luxury we can ill afford these days. Ill. Emphasis on ill. Imagine (laughs) just being somewhere and not having to stay inside. (laughs) What age we live in. Imagine also being relegated from the Scottish League. Oh, like, no, I literally can't. How shit have you got to be? Yeah. Do they ha- I guess they have a second division then, that means, by uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Logic. Just, just like you hate the English pyramid, there's a Scottish pyramid as well. Yeah. Does it have 25 levels? Two I can tolerate. Uh, probably about six, seven, I don't know. That seems like too what, much. Once you get into places called Cowden Beef, uh, <laughs> you kind of start to get a bit ridiculous. Is that Ian's hometown? Stenhouse Muir. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Oscar, they, they, these levels of the pyramid don't exist to satisfy a soccer fan in Rhode Island. Like They're not for you. Don't worry about them. It, they yeah, can exist. They're not for you. Stop watching. Stop looking. All right. Fair enough. That is a that is a thing that Emily and I love to say is, is when people get mad about things. Like, we were watching a documentary about rap, the history of rap, and there was yeah. just this, like, really angry middle-aged white lady in the early 90s being like, I found a rap CD and it offended me at Walmart. And it's, it's like, not for lady, you. It's not for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just not for you and that's okay. So you know what? You saying that to me, I'm having a moment of self-reflection. This is a time for growth. This is a time to reevaluate your priorities. And yeah, all right. It's not for me. Have your pyramid. Fine. Isn't it good that Rangers get really pissed off about not winning the uh, Scottish Premier League a few weeks before they wouldn't have won it in the first place? Oh, well, anytime Steven Gerrard gets to just miss out on a trophy again, good for me. Yeah, it is that time of year where he just misses out on trophies. So. <laughs> oh, how we laugh. Just enjoy Rangers fans just getting indignant about, no, we should void the season properly because Celtic haven't won it. Yeah, but they were going to just... Chill your boots. <laughs> yeah. How many asterisks do you want? Yeah. They've won it for 10 years in a row. <laughs> yeah. Nine, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> Literally just kicking the can down the road. Don't worry All about it. All of a sudden he starts caring. He doesn't care about the English football pyramid, but he cares about the Scottish Premier League. You know, the numbers. Once There's you bring numbers involved. in and you're disrespecting the number 10 <laughs> by equating it with the number nine, now I'm offended, okay? It's Rapid pretty simple. fire news. <laughs> <laughs> quickly, Fine, okay. quickly settle back into our old tropes. Yeah, this doesn't this feel great? Doesn't this feel really great? Yeah, it does feel good because we finally actually got some listener numbers for the last one. Now that everyone's going back to work and risking their lives on public transport that they're not supposed to, but they are supposed to go on, but they can't. Yeah. Hello, commuters with your computer. <laughs> 
<laughs> niche Alan Partridge for you there. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, that must be an Alan Partridge thing. Yeah. <laughs> Always is. When you guys just start laughing and giggling, and I'm like, I don't know what that was. It's It was Alan Partridge. No, it was uh, you've had so much time, you could have sat and watched all of it. Like, literally so much time. You canon. actively choose not to watch it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. just get involved. Yeah. Well, what's the day today where he does his guide to the USA World Cup 94? It's absolutely brilliant. Goal! So good. And there's some American in there to keep you interested. Yeah. Are you acting like I like Americans what's any more than I like story? English people? Just segue. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep this going. Just so segue! <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, next story. League One clubs should follow League Two and end their season, says Rochdale Chief Executive. David Bottomley wants... Fellow League One clubs to end the season and not make decisions stemming from financial greed. Is it Rochdale or Rockdale? Did I say the wrong thing there? No, no, no. I was laughing at Bottomley, so... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good uh, No decision has been made in the third tier, but six clubs have said they are determined to complete their fixtures prior to further discussion. Peterborough, Peterborough, Peterborough. Are you, in, are you in the evil group, Ian? Yeah, I think we might be, mate. Are you yeah. the baddies? I think we're the baddies. <laughs> Where this is concerned, we are definitely the baddies. Dara's been riling everybody up uh, to try and... Uh, obviously, it's all about the sporting integrity of League One, Chuck. It's yeah. nothing to yeah, do yeah, with yeah. the fact that we were in with a shout of promotion. Uh, it's about the sporting integrity of the game. And uh, it so- turns out a few other clubs near the top have also suddenly become worried about the sporting integrity of League One. So, yeah, we're... Uh, voting or whatever where we're sort of vocally saying that we need the season to keep going league two though have uh, unanimously voted to end their season now that doesn't mean it's going to happen because it still needs to be ratified it's more it's more of a like indicative vote of what they want to do uh, because until league one sort out what they want to do because league two have said they want to do it with promotion still happening but no relegation what league and it, yeah. genu- genuinely because i forgot it now what league are bolton and berry in well, Berry were in League One, right? Uh, and they obviously have no longer exist. So there is that's another thing. There is a place in League One that needs to be taken up somehow. So but do there's we also relegate... one less team to get relegated from that league. Do we relegate one less person from League One? One less team, sorry, from League One, or promote one more from below? Or promote one more from below? All that seems to happen is they have meetings about when they're going to have the next meeting, and that is that is what it seems like every time I read a headline. I'm like. Yeah, a meeting in two weeks about a meeting in three weeks. But it it is funny how the leagues like Scotland and Belgium and League Two are like, and uh, who else was it? The French league, Greece, maybe the French league. Well, French league actually less Netherlands. in this vote. Yeah, but like, oh, let's vote to end it because we care about player safety and we care about. They are you know, also. I will just say again, they are also very uncompetitive leagues. Sure, but Germany is, and they're still back. And then the leagues that have big TV contracts and huge amounts of money involved, like League One with promotion, they're like, no, you know what? Like, let's, uh, I don't know about this. Like, it could be safe, right? It could totally be safe. If you just don't celebrate with each other, don't high-five each other, <laughs> it'll be fine. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's... A tricky one, isn't it? The fashion, the fashion seems to be at the minute for not not uh, voiding entirely, but using some sort of metric. Be it let's just call it what it is now, or let's do points per game, because I think that's what League Two have said they want to do. 
an unweighted, very simple points per game thing, which would mean I think Swindon would finish top, even though they're not top at the minute, uh, which is interesting. So, I yeah, the, the fashion seems to be very much for uh, not playing anymore, but still awarding something which does open up legal issues <laughs> i don't know mm. it's it's a tricky i think one. no matter what it's a mess oh a total mess no one can be happy with everything you know I, I i just think the weird thing is that obviously you have to like you know we've spoken about contracts ending in the summer of players mm. and then that they making it difficult but there's you know there's this kind of ways around that with temporary contracts etc there like, should be, yeah. You don't know when you're going to be able to start the next season. So what happens with all of the players anyway? So if, let's say, all football was voided now, everywhere, they all decided because it's going to be six to 12 months until we get like a vaccine. And now obviously within that, if you don't see football as a business, as a person that owns a hairdressers or a supermarket or a, an office or, or whatever... Like you, you wouldn't be able to do that, and those would gradually go back. But football, because of the competitive nature of it, and the sport and entertainment element, it's seen as frivolous. Like, what happens to all those players? What happens to all those guys that they aren't allowed to meet up and train? They aren't gonna, you know, go get a job at Sainsbury's. <laughs> you imagine? You know, you presume just other you route is like bagging your groceries, and you're like, I would go in that supermarket every fucking day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can charge me double for that. Yeah, but you know, would you expect the clubs to keep? Paying all the players? How do the players stay in their houses? What do they do? You know, just to just to kind of take it on a slightly different tangent. That if no football happens for a year, it's not just about the clubs folding. What, yeah, like, what happens to the industry? Yeah. yeah, like yes, the players earn a lot of money, like a, a certain amount. But however, everything is scalable, right? Sure, it's, but like there's there was reports that like the Premier League as a collective has three and a half billion. I yeah. think. Yeah, that was amazing. The cash reserves. Could keep the lower leagues going for for ages. And I there mean, are, there are payments yeah. that are going down. Like they've they've not kept yeah. quiet about that. There is money going down to the lower league clubs. There is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is anyway, regardless of this. There's there's money that goes down to them. I just think when like Steve Bruce comes out, Troy Deeney, yes, um, Grant Hanley, Sergio Aguero, Raheem Sterling, Tammy Abraham. All these players are coming out and being like, listen, I don't want to put my family at risk. I'm like, literally, I have quotes from Troy Dini in front of me because they had a meeting with the players union last week and a bunch of players came out with quotes afterwards. And he said, I'm not even talking about football. I'm talking about my family's health. I feel that if I'm not looking after my family, then I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put my family at risk. What are they going to do? Take money off me? I've been broke before. So it doesn't bother me. But that's no different to any organization or, or job. If you if you put aside the fact that it's an entertainment industry, let's say, if you put but that that's aside, such a huge thing to put aside. It, no, no. But if you just say that it is a business, of course, at the moment they will focus. And this is going to sound really bad because I'm not the kind of person that wants to force people back to work. Far from it. I think it should be safe. Within everything, there are players like Troy Deeney, etc. And I think everyone can, is concerned for the safety of their family. Everybody is. But sure. at the same time, there are lots of people that are like footballers or anyone that does a job that like, I'd really like to be able to go back to work. Especially something like football, because it's a dream for a lot of these players to be able to do it. Mm. And it's and you feel like, especially when you're in a season, you know, Andros Townsend has been has been saying like he really, really wants to go back and start playing again. That's not to say that he's going to cast aside all things of safety. I just think that there are 
layers and it's you know having to meet us with the players union they're probably going to be the same as any workforce for any job they're like of course we're happy to go back no we don't want to just sit back and claim our furlough pay or you know effectively our benefits now we actually want to go and do something it's it's the same everywhere but you just want to make sure that when you do go back it's safe right and i think that's the key issue though because like how safe is a contact sport that's entire like there's no social distancing while you're playing the game you're sweating all over each other like that's just the nature of the game like what are they going to change the laws that you have to stay six feet away at I all think, times i think what it's really important what chuck said though then that there's no there's no black and white on this situation because we no. on the on the show i on the show i work on we had troy dini on today and uh, via Skype, obviously, and like he was saying, he's got a kid with who has breathing difficulties, who has chest problems. Mm. Now he is all in favour of this first phase of this project restart that started, which is uh, groups of I think five players at a time going into training, fully socially distanced, no contact to start with. But then he said his concerns really come in on like phase two and three when they're talking about bringing larger groups of players in. And then ultimately having having contact, especially when eighty percent of his play is elbowing people in the face, <laughs> yeah, full <laughs> contact, <laughs> right in the nose. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's not black and white. Even with someone who like Troy Deeney, like you know, he's happy to sort of go back to this first stage of training. Yeah, but you know, then it becomes it becomes very very tricky to sort of. I mean, like we've said it before, you can you can test someone well. Unless you unless you get a negative test immediately before a game or a tr- training session, how sure can you be that they've they're well, not carrying the it? The you know? amount of tests that they're using, and not to get like too big picture about it, or even bring my own American like issues with mm-hmm. our lack of testing and lack of availability with that. But like, but they purchased forty thousand tests, yeah, just for the players and staff to be able to come in every day and get tested when they do. Because that was like where I was going to transition to next. Like tomorrow. Clubs in the Premier League are starting to train in small groups. Today, the La Liga clubs went back and they're training in groups of five, social, you know, socially distant, whatever. Yeah. Also, like the amount of resources that these people are using that could be used elsewhere in the world. I forget which player it said, but it was like, we're taking these tests away from like actual healthcare workers, whether in the UK or other parts of the world. Like, but that's a government allocation issue. I'm sorry. That's not a yeah. like people like Premier League teams, you should be and we've we've said this before, you should be entitled to be able to buy a test for yourself. You simply can. But if a government's not going to provide it for those those people that are the front line, the key workers, the, the right. whatever the buzzword they want to put on it, but then also fuck them over everywhere, left, right, and centre, that's their issue. That's no in no way. If the if the tests are available to buy and you can buy them and you can therefore help that company to make more and up their production. If the government's just not allocating it in these key areas, like that's a well, fuck up on a different level. Yeah, I mean, there's two things there as well because we've got domestically in the UK at the minute there is the capacity for testing that anyone over the age of five now mm-hmm. who's got symptoms can get a test. So, like, we haven't got a problem with capacity for testing in this country. What you said, Oscar, was the first time I've actually thought about internationally. Maybe we should be thinking about. You know, sending some of those tests abroad, perhaps for countries that haven't got them. But uh, that's the first time I thought of that. But domestically, we are 
we are okay. Yeah, yeah, that's probably me bringing my own like American issues into it. And, and I like, mean, we did sell a shitload of stuff abroad at the start of this because our government sat on their hands and gave money to. Yes, we've sent tests and PPE to the USA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We sent all our stuff away yeah. because these people were like, "Look, we've got it, and you're not going to have it on us." And then we sent out loads of tests to people that ended up going in the bin because they never picked up. <laughs> the at-home testing kits. So yeah. they expired and people had to throw them in the bin. So Still counts. <laughs> hashtag political. Yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> why <laughs> good not? stuff. Rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Uh, well, it, it's a, obviously it's a very complicated situation and there's arguments on all sides. But I, I think, at least for me, the at the end of the day, the safety thing is what gets me and that like the way the game is played, like you said, Ian, it's one thing to train and it's a whole nother thing to like actually be having games and the way that the game, like the very essence and nature of the game makes it an inherently unsafe or less safe activity compared to like, you know, someone stocking shelves at a supermarket. Yeah. There's that weird punishment kind of thing we spoke about before with uh, Italian football teams where there will be times where like if they're having a really shit run or there's some sort of dissent or etc. in the team, that they get made to stay at the training ground. Now, I'm not saying that all the players stay at the training ground the whole time, but let's say before a game, there's like a three-day period where then that's when they get their training done to then play a game. So you kind of get tested at the start of that three-day period. You're in isolation then. It's... That it, of course, that's uh, you know, that's it brings with it all kinds of issues, etc. Yeah, but, it's such a complicated thing, man. But the complications are similar no matter what job you do. And ultimately, yeah. ultimately, in in a football stadium ideal, it can be closed in that there's no other people coming from the outside. You know, yeah. if you work in an office, you could have postmen or visitors. In my profession, I work in restaurants. I can't control what guests come through the door. We're talking about our PPE and uh, doing temperature checks on our staff, etc. But we can't stand at the door and temperature check guests from coming in. Right. The, the, right. the three of us have got completely different jobs from each other and all of our jobs have changed unimaginably from a few months ago so everyone has to change you know so i mean i'm not saying football has to go ahead by any means but the premier league are going to be watching what happens with the bundesliga very closely to see if they can learn anything especially in a country that's had their controls quite well because germany's done a much better job much better job yeah, it's not saying much compared to our two countries, <laughs> no, but no. yes, they... <laughs> yeah. I, one thing, I guess what they could do, just thinking out loud, is do like an Olympics type thing, where they set up a village... Don't talk to me about fucking Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> set up like a Premier League Olympic-style village where the players live for a month, they finish out the season, like, in actual isolation from the rest of society. Anyone who's required to, like, be part of that whole system, you know, maybe you pay them extra, right? Because they're leaving their families for a month or whatever. And then and then you get it done that way. Like that seems somewhat feasible. I don't know. Yeah, it's good. There's only going to have to be creative solutions to this, which is a bizarre problem. I mean, as I say, every profession has had to have some sort of mad creative solution to how they continue to work. But Well, you know. speaking of creative solutions, that's a perfect out to this rather tricky conversation FC Seoul apologizes for their creative solution to having fans in the stands at their game because they used a bunch of sex dolls. <laughs> Not a problem. How, do you really think the players were that bothered when they were like, 
Yeah, at the corner of their eye, they saw some seats. Like, do you think that was more of a distraction than out of their corner of an eye seeing? Holy fuck! <laughs> what are you doing out of my attic? Yeah, <laughs> Jemmy, what are you doing here? <laughs> Did they set them all to vibrate so it generated some noise around the stadium? Like, just... <laughs> oh, oh, Grim. Um, so the the club is. You know, obviously denying that they knew they were sex dolls. They were sold to them as quote unquote premium mannequins. Yeah, 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 yeah. At what point when they were blowing them up did they not realize? <laughs> no, these are like the premium ones. These are the ones that like <laughs> have wigs and eyelashes and shit. Like it's it's too far. It's too much. But so here, let me read the quotes from the BBC for you. Uh, before the match, a company called Dalcom offered to fill some of the empty holes, I'm sorry, empty seats, <laughs> and the club agreed. In total, there were 30 mannequins, 28 of them female and two of them male. 30. So their solution to fill, to make a stadium feel less empty was to put 30 sex dolls in it. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, socially distanced I'm sex pit- dolls. There are so many holes, so many holes to pick in this. <laughs> About 90. Don't pick holes in it. That, that's the last thing you want to do. Oh, boy. Now, I've got a quote as well, uh, because uh, fans watching the match on television took to social media and uh, one of them said, just look at their breasts. They were four times bigger than those of normal mannequins. It's your first clue, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I just love that. Someone's going on Twitter going, look, these tits don't look right. No, nope. not happy with this. going to have to call <laughs> someone about these. It's too big. I'm offended. <laughs> too big. Well, that's the thing with live TV. You can pause and you can check these things. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got that sex doll. <laughs> so rewind it. Or you can find out what you need to complete the set. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what, like panini stickers? So we're just going through, going, got, 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 need, need that one. I do appreciate, like, <laughs> on a, tw- you know, 2020 stay woke level that they did have two male sex dolls, you know, just to be inclusive. They got the 28 female and the two male, because who knows what people like? I'm not assuming, right? Yeah. You know, you want to go in the stands afterwards and celebrate your win. Different strokes well, for different that folks. Fucking male sex doll with a massive fucking boner. <laughs> Seems a bit weird. I don't know. He's very excited that football is back, Ian. Just very excited. <laughs> we all are. We all are. Speaking of, we'll briefly touch on this. We're not going to become a Bundesliga pod by any means whatsoever. But there was Bundesliga this week. Uh, your boy Erling Haaland scoring the first goal of 2020 2.0, as I put it on Twitter. Uh, 4-0 to Dortmund. Big, big win to kick off the restarted, for however long this ends up lasting, Bundesliga season. That was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, imagine that, being a player that you want to come back and you're like, right, big for Schalke, like big derby <laughs> game against Dortmund, coming back. Huge, oh, Yeah, I love fuck. all the tweets. I think Gary Lineker among, and there was, you know, a million other ones, but saying, uh, did Schalke forget that the 0-4 in their name has nothing to do with what the scoreline should be? How <laughs> <laughs> very uh, But droll. I bring up the Bundesliga just because. Cue up the jingle. Ooh, they're better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. I am so desperate to give this out. We have Burnley of the week. Or should I say Berlinly of the week? Hertha Berlin 3, Hoffenheim 0. <laughs> Berlinli of the Woche! <laughs> oh, Hoffenheim 2.8 on XG, scoring 0. To Burnley's 1.5, scoring 3. So, did I say Burnley? <laughs> to Burnley. You actually said Burnley then. Amazing. Hertha Burnley getting a 3-0 victory. 
That's a Burnley one, three 0 Oh my god! Is that the hipster one? Is that the hipster one that everyone's following? Which one did you pick? Borussia Mönchengladbach. That must be the hipster one. Clearly, they won three one, so that was a good choice. Well, that's a dangerous amount of football for one week. So let's <laughs> too bad. Let's move on to our main segment, uh, which is what. Well, this comes to us. So, as you know, we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Miles Offside Pod. And if you come aboard at the producer level, um, then you get to select a topic for a pod. Now, producer Nate Whitten uh, had been commenting about the uh, kind of meme that's been going around on social media uh, while the football's been off of guys asking their girlfriends to write out a team on paper so you know various hilarities ensue and blah 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 blah. uh and we made our women do it but uh we'll save that one for later (laughs) we made our women do it (laughs) we made our women because they have nothing better to do than to as if it's not bad enough to put up with us full time (laughs) i know so we thought as a kind of offshoot of that because we know less football than our ladies um they Probably should really true. just do this pod themselves. Yeah. So we thought we'd kind of come up with our own 11 players and therefore use that to create a mop 11. Like a favourite team, yeah. Yeah, a favourite. We decided, well, Oscar kind of decided uh, that we wouldn't go obvious, i.e. we're not going to put Messi, we're not going to put Ronaldo. Yeah, not necessarily the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the players that speak to your heart. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's a lovely way of putting it. Um, I should probably change a lot of things. (laughs) It's been so long, I couldn't even remember the current Palace team. Uh, But so I figured that what we do is is kind of go around and speak a little bit about the players and have a chat and decide between ourselves how we build this team. Uh, We'll see what formation we end up with or whatever. This could get really tricky really quickly. Yeah, this could be brilliant. (laughs) So. Let's hand over to the reigning bluff champion, Mr. Ian Stimson himself, to start off with who's going to be in nets, uh, that is goalkeeper for our abroad listeners. So my goalkeepers, I've, uh, I say goalkeepers because I've got two choices. Now, right. I think first I've... of all, that's not how a football team works. I know it's been a long time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm aware of this, but I am. I'm going to narrow. I think I'm falling on one side of this but I thought I'd just bring them both to the table so as you can think about well, we can have. I've, I've got a few honourable mentions okay, for fine. various positions so that's fine okay. like afterwards so but... they're very much sort of two two sides of different coin so the one first... saves and one doesn't no more personality wise because the first one <laughs> <laughs> no I didn't know the first one I've gone for is uh, Mark Bosnich so wow <laughs> yeah yeah so he was he was Decent. He had stint, long stints at top clubs like oh, Manchester well, United. Clubs. He was it was with Man United, but like Aston Villa, they were a top club for a while. Uh, um, yeah, at that time they were they yeah. were up there. He, he he did all right, but it's mainly it's mainly his off field life, which is what I wanted. <laughs> so you mean his his battle with obesity while still <laughs> being a goalkeeper? Oh, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so he really took that sort of like laddie image of a 90s footballer and ran with it in a, in a big way. Uh, he was he Australian. Was 
Yeah, well, yeah, okay. exactly. He he was described by Alex Ferguson as a terrible professional. <laughs> so Check. he would he would turn up for training three hours late, and afterwards be overheard on his mobile phone, like audibly ordering a Chinese takeaway for when he got home. Oh. A man after our own hearts, for <laughs> Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Oh, he's done a little bit of work on the training field. Got to get a Chinese takeaway in for when I get home. Um. He had trouble getting his uh, working visa to to work in the UK. So he married an English woman, um, insisted that they were in love. And after two years of marriage, uh, the Home Office granted him leave to remain in the UK. And then three months later, the marriage was over. (laughs) Um, He went out with model Sophie Anderton and he would match her line for line in the cocaine stakes. Uh, which is fine (laughs) if you're a supermodel. But if you're a professional footballer, it's not... Really? See, I don't know. Like, judging by the size of him, like if he was sustaining a hefty cocaine habit, like balance it out. That just means yeah. he was eating a fuckload more yeah, than you exactly. even think. Exactly. <laughs> he made a sex tape with Dwight York and two women, uh, where he was wearing a dress and being whipped and having his toes sucked. Uh, I mean, and this where man. Would, where would one find? Um, I don't know. I haven't watched it. Um, I, I don't know if it's this available. Week. It was leaked. He hasn't watched it this week. Yeah, no. oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. It's on VHS in the back. And also, there was a. I mean, there was some unpleasantness with a Nazi salute to some Tottenham fans. But oh, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and veto this for so many reasons. He is not going to be our keeper. Your second Fine. choice. Yeah, understood. <laughs> so the other side of that coin is... Uh, Off to a good start here, by the way. Let's yeah, bring yeah, up yeah, a yeah. Nazi. That's how we want to start this segment. Oh, I'll just cross out Wayne Hennessy from mine. <laughs> just wait till he brings up Adam Johnson for later. Right, Ian? Jesus. <laughs> how did you pick these guys? Nailed down, sentiment. Listen, the other one is Neville Southall, MBE. Consummate <laughs> professional. Uh, played in goal forever and why for 60s. Did, why? It says a lot about you that you pick the goalkeepers with expanding waistlines. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and not, for the record, Peterborough's greatest ever player and one of the greatest players to ever play for England. David Seaman, yeah. I... Whose name is Seaman? That's perfectly on brand for us. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Well, incidentally, that was the first pick on my wife's team. But anyway... Um, but yeah, Neville Southall played for Everton for 16 seasons. Uh, cat-like reflexes before he put all the weight on. Mm. <laughs> Teetotal. Uh, dedicated his life to improving his game. Was a bit of a loner, but just was dedicated to football. And since he's retired and, and and that, he uses his profile now to support good causes. He's handed over his Twitter account to like LB, uh, LGBTQ groups and sex worker charities. Like he's really sort of a, on the side of the disenfranchised in life and is uh, and has done a tremendous amount for the pie industry. Um, <laughs> so, but Neville South was a good guy and he was a great player. And uh, yeah, I've, I've only just realised since you've said it that yes, I, I've picked two fatties. I didn't yeah. <laughs> yeah you but you did go fair enough for the two sides of the coin there. And I was going on the side of Southall. I, I just wanted to mention Bosnich because my first thought was, let's get a party boy. But I was like, you know, <laughs> oh, don't no, worry. Maybe I'm, we I'm pretty sure there'll be plenty of time for party boys later. Good, uh, good. But in, in a kind of similar vein and straight down the middle, and funnily enough, you mentioned it, I went with Kelly Stimson. And I put as my goalkeeper for this, because I kind of went with, like, I wanted to, you know, you joke about me being a hipster, whatever, you but I wanted to make sure it was players like 
during my lifetime that I could have actually like seen and yep. experienced and whatever. And the man, David Seaman, uh, MBE as well. Like lovely. He was fantastic. Like he played for Arsenal and you didn't hate him. <laughs> True. He, he won. He won the Premier League twice. He won the, the old first division. He used to save penalties as an England goalkeeper. He oh, yes. saved penalties, <laughs> including that the one against Scotland. Oh uh, yeah. Callister steps up, and it wasn't a particularly good penalty, but Seaman still did it, and then it led to the greatest goal in England history. He was a, you, he had a moustache and a ponytail and his name was Seaman and you didn't giggle about any of those things because he was just and that night and that Euro '96 kit as well. Uh, oh, Seaman's oh, just you wanted the goalkeeper kit. Yeah, I'm not a kit man, you know. I don't I don't get into kits and boots and stuff. But that kit was absolutely brilliant. I just loved it. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. He saved. I even looked it up. He he was good at penalties. He in the Premier League he faced twenty two penalties and he saved seven of them. So like one in three penalties. That's decent, yeah. He's one of the best penalty stoppers ever. Played four tournaments for England. Obviously Arsenal, so he won the FA Cup a load of times. And ex Peterborough. Ex Peterborough. He's a lovely northerner. I've met him. He's just a great guy. <laughs> just a lovely, unassuming guy. And yes. So I'd put forward that David Seaman should be the goalkeeper for our joint 11. Well, I suspect that I'm going to get outvoted on that, but having never seen David Seaman, I cannot in good conscience vote for him. Um, And you guys can probably assume who I put. Peter Cech. And that is the one, the only Peter Cech. Yeah, speaking of amazing penalty records. Can I just ask one second, how many Chelsea players am I going to have to veto in this thing? (laughs) (laughs) Only like half my team. I I tried to be as impartial as I could. Um, you know, check. I mean, he, well, he's check and his name is check. He wears a helmet. Check. He's amazing at saving penalties. He plays the drums. Um, <laughs> and just genuinely a super nice guy. He's trying to be a professional hockey player now. Although who knows if that's still going on. Uh, but he did <laughs> yes, post a video yes. of him training in his basement with hockey stuff on. And, uh, and also probably the greatest Premier League goalkeeper of all time. It's him or Van der Sar. Yeah, the problem is, like, even though I suggested a goalkeeper that played for Arsenal like he killed himself by going to Arsenal like he was a great penalty saver until he went to Arsenal yeah yeah he was a great shot stopper until he went to Arsenal he could he could claim the ball in the box until he went to Arsenal like (laughs) why did he do that to himself why didn't he just his family wanted to stay in London and Chelsea weren't going to play him anymore he could have just stopped he could have just stopped we keep giving our like discarded players whose families want to stay in London to Arsenal. <laughs> like that's a pattern emerging. We take <laughs> Arsenal's good players as they're about to enter their prime, so that those players can win titles with us, and then we ship off our old aging players to Arsenal, so that they can, you know, kind of like the MLS, like a retirement league. Yeah, I mean that that's not exclusively a Chelsea thing. Uh, there's a lot of clubs that buy players off Arsenal just before they hit their prime. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, City too have done that quite a few times. Yeah, uh, Robin Van Persie. Oh yeah, that's right. He went to go win a title somewhere else. <laughs> Lots of people yeah. have to leave Arsenal so they can go get trophies. But anyway, so are we? We're just gonna go Seaman here, right? I'll I'll concede that because he's a posh player, the greatest posh player. He's English. You guys are English, and Chuck brought him up. Like it, I assumed it would be Ian that brought him up, but the fact that it was Chuck, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, I did want to go route I'm one. I'm pretty outnumbered yeah. here, so. Yeah, I am worried slightly in this that a lot of mine and Ian's will be the same. So I was yeah, quite there might bad. be some crossover. Yeah, 
Cool. So I'm glad I put thought into this. That'll be fun. <laughs> we're going David Seaman, aren't we? Yeah, we're going yeah, David, David Seaman at the back. David! Yeah. David Seaman! But shout out, much love to Petr Cech and all our Chelsea fan listeners are grinding oh, their teeth right Oh, no, yeah. I, will, I will concede that 100%, sir. Uh, and just like Seaman will concede long-range shots against Ronaldinho. Um, <laughs> if I might just one second to wax poetical about Petr Cech on that Champions League final, because I think that Drogba gets all the love, but I have said on multiple occasions to Chelsea fans that I know that I think Petr Cech actually had the biggest hand in us winning that title, even more than Drogba did. I mean, he should have big hands. He's a goalkeeper. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You keep setting him up. I'll keep knocking him down. All right, so that's our shot stopper. I'm happy with that. Safe hands. Safe hands, Seaman. Um, and then we'll go to our defence. So are we going to go... I'm going to assume with this that we all probably got ahead of ourselves and went a bit glamorous, or at least I did, and picked <laughs> six players who have probably played as striker. Uh, so are we going four at the back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have four at the back in mine. Yeah, I do as well. Okay, so let's go with your first defender, Oscar. I'll, I'll leave it up to you whether you want to start at the right or at the left. Uh, I'll start at the right so that we can go to a non-Chelsea pick, just <laughs> to get us going. <laughs> oh, good. The only one. And that is Philippe Lam at right back. Probably Germany's, at least since I've been alive, best defender. Um, you know, Robertson or Trent before Robertson and Trent were themselves. Uh, uh, right back so good that Pep played him at left back and then at central midfield because he just had such a varied skill set. He was so creative, an amazing mm. passer, amazing defender. First goal of the 2006 World Cup, one of my favorite goals. Uh, and that goal was the day that I was like, you know what? This is way too much fucking fun. I need to start watching soccer more than once every four years. I'm going to put in the effort to start watching this shit regularly. And it was Philip Lahm's goal against Costa Rica in the 06 World Cup that like really sealed the deal for me. So Philip Lahm, emotional reasons, quality reasons, versatile, amazing, probably the best right back I've ever seen play. He was a fantastic player, to be fair. Like as much as being having it ingrained in you to dislike Germany for, for <laughs> all of your life, especially your formative years in the 90s with football. Like yeah. Watching him play, he was a fantastic right-back. Germany captain by Munich captain. That's right, yeah. After Balak retired, he became the captain for Germany. And like I said, he was so good that Pep moved him around because Pep saw like skill sets and was like, I can play this guy anywhere. Yeah, nice little personal choice as well for you as well. Like that. Chuck, what about you? Well, I kind of went uh, similar, so, so kind of out there, but I couldn't overlook the player who is the most decorated footballer of all time in terms of trophies won. Okay, there's definitely going to be some crossover. Danny Alves. Danny Alves! (laughs) I fucking hate him so much. My blood is boiling that the two of you just brought that up. Even that, like, oh! Hate Why? that guy. Go ahead. Take your take your one minute to make a case. No, no, no. This that yours will be way more interesting. Well, we like mid two thousands to you know culminating in two thousand twelve. Chelsea and Barcelona had quite a few encounters with each other and a whole lot of beef. Oh, there was that horrific game where literally everything went against Chelsea. Yeah, there yeah. should have been about nine penalties. <laughs> Jesus, um, <laughs> and the rest. Just the most atrocious refereeing, like. Unbiased, obviously biased. I literally punched a wall that day and busted a knuckle. I was so angry. It was like the two days before my 21st birthday and it almost ruined the whole week. But also like from an unbiased perspective, everyone has to see that and think that that was like one of the worst officiating ever. But Danny Alves was smug and 
violent. And if he had been a Chelsea player, he would have been one of my favorites, but he was not a Chelsea player. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The self-awareness is, is strong with you at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I, I fucking hated that guy so much. I take it. I mean, he's won everything. Like, it, sure. Weirdly, I, I, I thought he was part of a World Cup winning squad, but never won the World Cup. Uh, won the Copper America twice. He won. I mean, he won the treble with PSG, which isn't really saying. But much. that's it. The level of success at every club he was at. Won everything at Juventus. Did well at Valencia. Obviously, Barcelona goes without saying. And four four zero trophies. <laughs> like that's not even personal accolades. Just to be. A part and a, a, a stalwart and a main part of those trophies. Does he and, have more trophies than Messi? Everyone, everyone. That's yep. crazy. That's crazy. That is. And, pretty I mean, cool. it's because he's then gone. You know, he's done a couple of seasons at the French, uh, in sure, the French yeah, league yeah, yeah. And, and whatever. Yeah. But even still, gets your average up, doesn't it? Well, that's what I do. It's all about bumping up those numbers. Otherwise, they're rookie <laughs> numbers. And even and now he's moved into a more of a midfield role, and he's got a free role. I'm pretty sure he's now at Sao Paulo or, or something. And he just he's he's said in interviews like he just gets to do what he wants. Yeah. And and when you're so good and you are in your your late thirties, you know that's like you know that's yeah. when players go to the MLS normally. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I think that's Alves then, isn't it? I'm afraid. Oh that's good. come on. Come on. Do we get a veto? Can I get a veto in there somewhere? Like, no, is each of no, us you allowed? know what? You know what? I'm going to go Philip Lahm. Yay! Oh, How does that work? <laughs> I'm going to go because, Ian, quite frankly, we're going to agree on tons of these. Yeah. We might yeah. do. We've not shown each other. I'm, I'm no, surprised. No, I'd, like, I'd like to use up my credits for later. Oh, I see. And Philip okay. Lahm, like, I can get on board with that. Oh, yeah. Like, it's he not was, a, yeah he's, great choice. Yeah. He's a fantastic player. So, at right back, started. Philip Lahm. Okay. Mr. Lam. <laughs> right, so we're going through the middle now. Centre-backs. The first name that comes to your head when you talk about centre-backs is Paolo Maldini. That's nice, yeah. yeah. I'd be, there, there's personal reasons for whatever, and you can make, especially like with centre-backs and Oscar, you can go on about Chelsea players. Obviously, I love centre-backs that maybe haven't achieved so much uh, in their lives, but... <laughs> I wonder why that is. Yeah, I don't know. But when you play at one of the most famous, prestigious, high-achieving clubs in world football for 24 years and 132 days, and that's not becoming a bit part player, that is going from like right back, left back in your youth career to being a centre-back, to having the greatest centre-back partnership between yourself and Baresi, and then going on to play with other players as well. From 1984 to 2009, like, <laughs> huge insane. changes in football. Ch-ch-ch-changes! Ah, oh, fuck you. And and third place in the Ballon d'Or twice. Like, it's, it's Paolo Maldini. Paolo Maldini, the one everyone wants to be. As a defender. Yeah, I, he's not one that I got to... I probably saw him a couple of times in the Champions League before, like, when I was, you know, two years into my soccer fandom and barely aware of people's names at all. Actually, I'm barely aware of people's names now, so forget about back then. <laughs> but he is one that I've seen on, like, every list of, like, best defenders of all time. And from yeah. what I can tell, was generally a pretty nice guy and got along with everyone. And he was... He's a stunning man. Is he? Is <laughs> he? I don't know anything about him other man. than the name. Oh, yeah. He's he's beautiful. I mean, his dad played and played for Milan. Like, it's it's not often you hear with football the same thing in American sports that a great player leaves and they retire the number. 
Yeah. So yeah. he wore the number three. They Milan retired the number three, and the only person who's ever allowed to wear the number three would be his son or grandson or something. Oh, that's so cool. You know what? I'll, I'm on board with this. This is awesome. That, <laughs> just for that alone. You you just thought of him when you thought of Italian defenders and when in the 90s when Italian football was fashionable and successful uh, and a lot of it was to do with its defense you know its defensive setup and Maldini was just so reliable and yeah like everything just fits with uh, that so it's a great choice that definitely yeah there's so many records he's got like yeah they went it was one world cup where they went 518 minutes without conceding that's and crazy. Like, they didn't win the World Cup. That's what's incredible. They never won. He never won anything with Italy. Yeah. It was like runners up in third place or whatever in that great era, kind of like the England yeah. golden generation that didn't happen. But they they came second in a World Cup and only conceded two goals. That's insane. Yeah, that is insane. So go I, up against that if you want. Stimmers, who do you have for centre back? Your first centre back. Uh, of course. See. Do I go for my shit house or my slightly more cultured one now? Well, I mean, I've done the most cultured. You have, haven't you? So I'm not. Okay, I'll go shit house. Uh, shit house. Uh, Sergio Ramos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. So, Mr. Red Card himself. Well, exactly. I mean, an amazing defender, but an even better when shit house. When he's on pitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, strong tackling, uh, pacey, got, you know, incredibly fast. Just don't let him hold a trophy, though. No, <laughs> no, quite. <yeah. laughs> Loads of uh, international caps for Spain. He's played for Real since 2005. And, yes, the most red and yellow cards in nearly every competition he plays in. But respected by all of his fellow professionals as an absolute I just, the man... Yeah, that's that's what's know. mad, the fact that they could go to Spain and, like, the, the, the centre-back partnership is... Ramos and Piquet, like it's mm. this Barcelona Real Madrid, but it just works. Like it's absolutely fine. They'll beat the shit out of each other one week in an El Clasico, yep, and then go win a World Cup, a Euros. Yeah, sorry, a Euros, a World Cup, another Euros. And then a Euros. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to respect the man. To be honest, He's, if you were playing against him, it'd be an absolute fucking nightmare. But yeah, Sergio Ramos, Oscar. Well, I'll go with my you know shit house pick out there and it'll be a surprise to literally zero people the greatest center back in the history of england the one the only john terry no. i mean he, he, i don't what do i need to say other than he's john terry like england's brave yeah that's that's fair i mean to let's face it if we're going four at the back here like we can put all six forward and choose two yeah that's true jt the most goals as a defender jt the most trophies as a central defender jt the most assists as a central defender the most captain on its armband as a central defender, the most, I don't know, the, the list goes on and on the and most. on and on. Just the most. Just the most. Yeah. Just the most, you know, wives <laughs> <laughs> as a central defender. <laughs> and in his day, unstoppable. Just unstoppable. Like, just, I've never, I think in any sport, seen someone lock down a defense the way he did. He would. He knew exactly where to be. His lack of physicality, or rather his lack of pace, even earlier in his career, was never an issue. He always found a way to organize himself and the players around him. He he was the captain for all captains, and everyone that isn't a Chelsea fan fucking hated him. And that's exactly that's what, what you, you want. want. That's what you want. <laughs> that's what you look for in a player, yeah. yeah you know a player's good when everyone hates them and the people on their your own team love him to death. Yeah. 
Gotta be JT. Alright, let's do what Chuck said. Let's go around again and then uh, pick our two from Alright, well, my other one is uh, Vincent Company. Always liked him. Not a Chelsea player, but I, I've, I've mentioned this a few times. I feel a kindred spirit with City fans and with Manchester City as the two, you know, newly rich oil clubs that people love to hate <laughs> in the Premier League. And uh, he's, a you know, just like a classy dude. They're basically the opposite of JT. <laughs> yeah. In that everyone respects him. The, the balance always works really well, especially like with centre-back partnerships. You've got the one who's going to go out and get the ball. Yeah. Who is just an absolute fucking animal. And then you've got the other one who knows exactly what's going on and has to rein <laughs> that one in. And that... That other person in themselves has to be so fucking strong. The fact that the absolute renegade maverick can be controlled by them. Exactly. Yeah. And then companies, city team in 2012, you know, within a week of each other was the Aguero goal and Drogba's header in Munich. And those two, like that city team was exciting in the same way that I have felt for a lot of Chelsea teams where I was like, Everyone hates them. Everyone assumes that Man United is going to win and fuck Man United. And then they just like, it was like a great Cinderella story to see them come back. That was like joining like a union of the different disenfranchised groups of hatred towards Man United because it it wasn't even like you're a Liverpool fan or you're a Man City fan and you hated United. Just everyone in the night is hated United. Just everyone. (laughs) Because there was obviously, there was the beef with with Arsenal for for quite a few years. There there was just the fact that it had gone on for so long. And And there's something about seeing a Goliath toppled and the fact that they were celebrating, you know, they were celebrating on the pitch at Old Trafford because the game at Old Trafford ended it was over less yeah. than 20 seconds before Aguero scored. Like, it's no time. Like, they're all running out and trying to start to celebrate. And then Ferguson checks his watch and starts looking at the screen and you see, like, a panic yeah. in his eyes. And then the news came round. Like, I was, I was at... I still remember where I was when that happened is I was at my ex-girlfriend's uh, parents' house and she'd gone off with her nan because they were massive Man City fans to go watch it at her nan's house. And everyone else that I was with were United fans. And so I watched kind of the last 20-odd minutes of the game. And I popped my head out because City equalised. I popped my head out and just went, oh, just so you know, City have equalised. Blah, 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 blah. And they were like, yeah, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Came back in, sat, watched Aguero, came back and went, City have just won the league and all of them out the garden like fucking what? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And it was fantastic. And yeah, company, like we've spoken about it so many times, like they miss, they miss that player. They really do. Blighted so much by injuries though. And there's something about an emotional leader who is also a defender Mm. that is really hard to replace. I'm firmly and in the camp that a center back should be the captain. Because they have that ability. They see everything happening in front of them and they can calm everything down. But also, and to go back to JT for a second, he, when we needed that oomph, that push, he would drive the ball from his own box to the edge of the other box and then lay a pass. And that's why he like underrated with his Hollywood passing with his assist and his creativity. And, and company has that too. I think of his goal last year, two years ago, where he just bombed forward. And then smashed it from the edge of the box. And like how important that ability to both calm down and or rile up and agitate when necessary mm. a captain at center back has. And I, and I think company is just as much of a leader that was vital to their success as JT is. And both 
Chelsea's defense and City's defense, since those two guys have been out of the picture, are massively suffering for it. And also, he's got a master's in business admin, so he can take care of all of the business side of your team. <laughs> this this, you this 11, you know. He's thought about the future. <laughs> you right there, Chuck? Yeah. <laughs> you like that one? No, oh, I didn't see where that was going. Okay. Oh, oh good. Stimmers, who's your second? My second one is Rio Ferdinand. Oh, oh. Rio was going to be one of my honourable mentions. Okay. Oscar immediately reacted with disgust. Um, mm-hmm. But come on, listen. This guy, he twice broke the transfer record and mm-hmm. he proved he was worth it. He won 14 trophies over his career. He was. He's, I've picked him because he's more finesse than most English defenders. He was comfortable with the ball at his feet. He got criticised a lot early on for taking risks and stuff, like a lot of like young defenders, like I'm thinking of John Stones and stuff like that do. Yeah. But yeah. Rio really grew into that side of his game and knew when to take risks, knew what to do with it. Um, and he became a, a really cultured, almost sort of continental central defender with his with the ball at his feet. But he was the same. He was a le- he was a leader, man. You felt yeah. You felt like Vidic was the one who was just you never knew what the fuck was going to happen. <laughs> but I think, but I think you can definitely, you know, Oscar. If you're going to group company with Terry, I'd group Rio in the in the same yeah, thing. Yeah, no, I, that's and fair. It's, and it's it is fair. It's a lot of this is hard because you're putting aside personal feelings. Because again, like, hey, the Man United team, hey, that England team caused a lot of heartache as well, yeah. like throughout the years. But you- I don't think Rio was even the best defender at United, though. You mentioned Vidic. I think I, if I'm putting together a team... It's not best 11. And I'm removing bias <laughs> completely because I would never pick a Man United player. But <laughs> if I was forced to, I think I would take Vidic over Ferdinand. It's not a best 11, though. Vidic was the better defender there. It's not a best 11. This is our favourite players for what, whatever fair, reason, fair. Fine, fine, whatever fine. reason okay. we choose. And it was just nice to have a more cultured English defender when... English football, mm. especially sort of like late nineties, early two thousands, was sort of criticised as being uh, we're still one, rough and ready, one dimensional. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it was just nice to get a centre defender who could put put his foot on the ball, take it past someone, figure out what to do with it, and then spray a pass out without just fucking lumping it up to <laughs> a baggy shirted Michael Owen. <laughs> But, you yeah. know, so yeah, it's, I, I accept that he will not be the best defender on this list. I mean, you know, he, he cannot compare to Maldini for talent, or I, I accept that. But as an English defender, I always liked him, and so I thought I'd, I'd pair him up with Ramos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that that kind of means that with my one, we've got. I mean, everyone's modern, obviously, like we've said before. But my one that was kind of like a. But you just watch someone play and the impact they have on the team and the calming influence and reading of the game. You know, mine were quite similar, especially as I built the rest of my team and realised I was kind of playing in a 4-0-6 with incredibly attacking fullbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the the structure element came into it there that I went, right, who would you want? You've got to have Maldini. And I put Virgil van Dijk. As my oh, I thought about putting back. him over company. Yeah, yeah, that's a good choice. He's he's so easy to like. He's so yeah, easy he to really. like. He's a giant of a man, but so agile. And and the fact, I think the fact is that when you, when the press or whoever or us make such a huge big deal of like one mistake that a player makes, you know that they are. Just the nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you watch him go round the pitch 
and people will say about Zidane gliding around the pitch, etc., and looking like when he's got the ball at his feet, whatever. But Van Dijk just he never seems to run anywhere. <laughs> and the game no, of football yeah, now yeah, is yeah. so fast and so quick. And he's he's had like Dejan Lovren next to him for a long time. And like <laughs> He's got Trent Alexander-Arnold on the other side, who, yes, he's an incredible assister, but fuck me, he can't defend for shit. Absolutely. He's had, you know, he's had to deal with Adrian behind him. Like, (laughs) he's had shit thrown at him. And he's just an incredibly calm, incredibly likeable. Yeah, from that rich Southampton Academy, (laughs) Liverpool pipeline. Um, And and yeah, I just thought... I wanted to go. I thought maybe you guys would would say something that's a bit easy, or you know, Oscar would say, "Well, he hasn't won a title yet." Uh, <laughs> no, he was actually almost my second pick, but I just like it was between him and Company, and I, I went for Company just because of the 2012, yeah, May 2012. That that great great month when Avengers first came out, <laughs> the Guerrero goal. This is like it was my birthday and Avengers. Then the week after was Aguero, and then the week after was the Chelsea Champions League. Like, what a great month. Golden so. golden period for you. And, and you know, my other one was going to be, like, uh, Koulibaly, but that was a bit hipster, and I haven't watched him a lot, but it was the same thing, just that kind of yeah. calmness and control. And when, you know, I loved... There was a, the Napoli-Liverpool game. I don't, I don't even know if it was this season or last season now, like, because of the, the break in football. It's, it's blank, but it was such a nothing game, but it was just a, a complete battle of defenders... It was just attackers trying to to break down these elite defenders, and it was just a, 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 such an incredible watch, especially being neutral to see the kind of the negative inverted commas massively negative side of the game of just stopping stuff from happening as opposed to making stuff happen. Um, but I just think Van Van Dyke in in my years of watching football, there's it's a defender that's he's incredible, incredible. All right, so how do we decide this? Vote for two that aren't your own and then see yeah, if there's any maybe, overlap? maybe. My, oh, that's so tricky. So I've got, so just as a reminder for everyone listening at home as well. Uh, so we had Sergio Ramos, uh, Paolo Maldini, John Terry, Vincent Company, Rio Ferdinand and Virgil van Dyke. So Ian, if you had to pick two. So yeah, let's go, let's go with what Oscar said. You have to pick two that are not your own. I... Van Dyke just like you say so rarely makes a mistake but then that means if I was to go Van Dyke and company I'm ignoring Maldini who is just the consummate defender it's just oh. just ignoring the best defender in the history of the Premier League I guess just what, like, not even yeah. going to consider yeah, yeah, him yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> who, who sorry who <laughs> no the... I nearly chose I nearly chose John Terry myself as well it just shows how tricky this is um, I think I will go for I will go Maldini and company. Okay, Oscar, you're two. Well, I I can't vote for Maldini because I don't remember ever seeing him play, right? So, like, that would... Although I'm inclined to just because of everything I've heard, right? But, like... Of course, yeah. Taking that kind of out of the equation just for, like, personal experience reasons, uh, I think I'm going to go with Van Dyke because he almost made my two. Mm-hmm. And... Sergio Ramos, because I just love that he threw the trophy under the bus. It cracks me up. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing to happen that has nothing to do with soccer, but it's soccer related. You know, I'm happy that both of mine got a vote, first of all. So, happy days. And, you know what, I'm I'm happy to go with the other two that got the votes. 
And, you know, for, for me, it's weird because the two I nominated aren't going to get in at all. But I'm happy to go with Ramos and company as a centre-back pairing. Nice. All right. I can live with that. So I think I think we can go with that. So let's put that in. We'll put in Ramos. <laughs> for the record, Chuck, I, I think that's harsh on you because both your choices were great. <laughs> that is harsh. But Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I would, I honestly, like, I almost voted for Maldini, but I... I can't vote for him. I no, never that's saw him. Like, that's fair enough. Like we say, this isn't necessarily the best or anything. It's, I don't really know what this is, but it's going gonna, gonna to yeah, come up with an 11. Yeah. Is this something? I think it's yeah. Who knows? Uh, but to round it off, and I mean, I'll go first here because I think Ian will probably have the same. Like, did anyone else put Roberto Carlos at left back? Oh, yeah, I did. But I've got another one, if not. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> it's kind of the same reasons as Danny Alves, but... Just a bit nicer than maybe, judging by what Oscar said. Um, <laughs> he did. He won. He won the World Cup, Real Madrid for that time uh, as a left back. Like he came second in the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. His nickname was the Bullet Man. Uh, he had a free kick recorded at a hundred and five miles per hour. <laughs> Unbelievable. And his thighs were 24 inches. He was like five <laughs> foot six. He scored the, the iconic, like you think of free kicks. Oh, yeah. You think of him running up and with the outside of his left boot hitting it and his right foot going so high above <laughs> his head. And Fabian Bartes just standing there with his mouth open, not knowing what the fuck was going on in Le Tournoir, which was in 1997, and England won that tournament. It was a mini tournament. England, France, Brazil, Germany. And we fucking won it. Happy days. But uh, Roberto Carlos made that position, uh, the the attacking left-back assister, incredible contributor up front. That's my suggestion. I can get behind that. Ian, is that was that your pick also? It was it was my pick, yeah. yeah I think fine. I mean almost almost for that free kick alone. Yeah, when, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine with it, that. It shouldn't work. No, Science. no, the physics is insane on that thing. There were years in the playground yeah. where it was everyone was trying to do but that what was funny Roberto as well. Carlos. I mean, I don't even know what boots he wore, but like uh, Predators came out in like 94, 95, something like that. I was about 10, 11, I think. And like, you know, to think about you you were obsessed with this idea of like curling the ball. And then I think that, that free kick was 97. It was 97. Right. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, like you say, seeing him do that with a ball, then you were just like, right, I need to get some Predators and I need to get out in the garden and just do as many oh, free kicks Oh, I would have just hung up my shoes forever after that. I'd be like, nope, just, that's <laughs> Fair it. enough. Yeah. Clearly, I'll never be able to do that. That's the greatest free kick of all time, right? Like, it, it just is. Undoubtedly. Yeah. I was six when that happened, and I remember watching it live. Yeah, it's the sort of moment that makes you fall in love with football, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. You watch it, really it back is. years later, and you see the, the ball's going right, going right, going right. You're like, he's fucked it. It's never coming back from here. It yeah. just comes back, and you're like, yeah, but he's, he's going to get close. Like, it's- maybe <laughs> come close. Oh, it's going to maybe hit the side net in. No, that's it. In the b- oh, shit. <laughs> it's insane. It feels like it bends so late as well. It's just... He's like 35 yards out. It's si- like, Oscar, you mentioned the physics. Like, I'm pretty sure they've done things where they're like, this shouldn't Should work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like how a bumblebee flies or whatever that no one yeah. knows? Yeah, exactly. They're like, mm, maybe Newton was wrong. We should, uh, we should have Roberto Carlos. <laughs> Newton should have put on a pair of fucking Predators is what yeah, Newton exactly. should have done. I'm pretty sure he's my dad's favourite ever player too. 
I think I remember that. So I, I, I'm not even going to bother bringing up Ashley Cole. Like it's well, clearly. Sorry, I, I was going to say we'll go honorable mentions then. Yeah, Dennis Irwin. Uh, yeah, Ian, you're not even getting a yes from me, and Oscar's never heard of him. So correct. Yeah, uh, good. that is correct. One for the teenagers. So uh, shall we go for? Uh, do you want to mention Crystal Palace, Loney, uh, Ashley Cole? I mean, you know what is there to say? He shot a trainee with a baby gun. Yeah. He left Arsenal <laughs> to win trophies. We've already touched on that as well about having to leave Arsenal to win something. So yeah, no, I mean Chelsea fans know. Non-Chelsea yeah. fans don't want to hear me talk about Ashley Cole for the next twenty minutes about how he's amazing. <laughs> Palace got loaned him in two thousand, and he was fantastic. He didn't play for a long time, but it was from that that he got the chance to play for Arsenal. Really, like that got him the minutes. See, I didn't even know that. That's cool. And he he said for a number of years that he would like he'd like to go back there at some point, almost as like a thank you. Mm-hmm. But then he went to America like a fucking prick to the LA oh. Galaxy. Yeah. Oh, oh said, Well then. So, Roberto Carlos. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. I, I remember him, and that, and obviously I don't remember very many players before 2006, but I remember him at World Cups and being like, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> All right, so let's move on to midfield. There's a player when I did this that I thought that all three of us would have. Yeah, I, I can assume that you're about to say the one, the only. The one, the only, OBE, MLS All-Star, Author of 20, that's right, 20 children's books. It's super Frank Lampard. Yep. Soon to be greatest Chelsea manager of all time. Literal certified genius. And as much as I wanted to write this and troll you, Oscar, I couldn't not write Frank Lampard down because I'm no, just... No, he's the best central midfielder, full stop. Ian Silence is worrying me here that he wasn't even close to putting him in. You went Gerard, didn't you? Not gone for him. Not gone for him. Uh. Ian, honestly, I expected to be attacked by Chuck with an anti-Chelsea bias here, and Ian keeps suggesting Man United players. He didn't what? even vote for John Terry. Like, no one geez. voted for John Terry, mate. What you've got to understand, what you've got to understand is, I grew up in the you know my main sort of football period was in the late nineties, early to early two thousands. So, Man United were. The evil dominant. ones. Yeah, but they were dominant. And it was, you know, it was impossible not to sort of be impressed by it. And, you know, I used to love, like, the grudge matches between Arsenal and Man United. They were absolutely insane. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. I probably have got more Man United players than you two would like. But I tell you what, on Lampard, because, Oscar, you can go down the emotion route. Let me just churn out the stats. So we do. Had men- I had mentioned MLS All-Star. Yeah. The one they all want to win. (laughs) He genuinely has written 20 children's books, which I just thought was mental. I never even knew that whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. He's won the Premier League three times. He's won the FA Cup four times. He's won the Champions League. He came second in the Ballon d'Or to Ronaldinho. He is fifth all-time for Premier League goals. He is fourth all-time for Premier League assists as a midfielder. And he scored the goal that meant... The introduction of goal line technology, <laughs> even though he didn't score it, but he fucking scored it and should have counted. And he also scored the penalty that is the one moment that I cannot watch with him in football without fucking crying just after his mum died. Yeah. Put that fucking penalty away. And it's like one of the most emotionally charged, incredible moments. And uh, now I'll just let Oscar go on uh, how great he is. <laughs> well, you also forgot to mention the. Seven seasons in a row, I think it was, that he got 20-plus goals as a central midfielder. That's pretty impressive, I think. 
not to linger too long on him, obviously, but like from the emotional perspective, that moment, that moment lives in Chelsea history for forever and ever and ever. When, you know, that penalty against Liverpool for the Champions League right after his mom, and he just goes down and he drops to his knees. Like I, I was in a bar in Manhattan in New York City called Nevada Smith's. It was like the soccer bar in America, the biggest soccer bar in America for a long time until it got shut down for selling to underage people, one of whom was me. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I used to go with my brother's ID. Um, and just like openly sobbing a room full of grown-ass people when he scored that goal. And like that connection to strangers in a bar, to Chelsea fans all around the world in that moment is still to this day like one of the more powerful sports things other than obviously like elation when your team wins a trophy, your team wins a title. Like it's that and it's the first game after 9-11 in New York City that are like the big, you know, in my mind, the biggest emotional sporting things where you're like, oh, sport really does transcend itself sometimes. And Lampard, that moment is one of those handful, every every few years you get a like, wow, this means a lot to a lot of people more than just 20 guys kicking a ball around. And so, yeah, the, from the emotional perspective, you can list accolades forever and ever and ever. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I think that Michael Ballack is my favorite ever player, but Frank Lampard is my favorite ever Chelsea player, if you know what I mean. Because I like Ballack yeah, outside yeah, yeah. of a Chelsea context, and that he was the reason I came to Chelsea. Yeah. But just as Chelsea, like, no one touches Lampard. No one. Not Drogba, not Terry, not Czech, not Ashley Cole, not Gianfranco Zola, even for the older players. Forget about Eden Hazard. He doesn't even get mentioned in this conversation. Like, <laughs> Lampard is the be-all and end-all. And that's why when they brought him back, like, you know, a lot of outside fans are like, oh, he's not better than Sorry. Oh, he's not blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but he's Frank Lampard. Like, he is <laughs> Chelsea. And he gets infinite amount of slack from us. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't, I don't, that those words don't come back to bite me in the ass two years <laughs> from now. But like... I mean, thank God it's not being recorded so that it could... Yeah. <laughs> I will never. I will, I will. I might be like, they should fire him as a manager for like reasons, but I will never, ever have anything but pure and unfiltered love for Frank Lampard. I find it very hard to hate Chelsea out of spite to piss you off with him as manager. <laughs> like we're in this, we're in this outside time now where because we're not caught up in the season and we're not in the, the kind of maelstrom of it, that we're just being a bit nicer. I mean, we're just being nicer to people in general. Like, <laughs> yeah. when we ask how someone is, we actually give a fuck uh, and want to listen to the answer. But, yeah, Frank, Frank Lampard, it's the more you think about it. Like, he was just always there. He was a constant professional. Yeah, he's he, like you said, he's got all the wins. You all know, the stories it, of him going to, like, youth training as a player, he would, like, train for an hour extra and then yeah. go to, like, youth matches. Like, not as a coach, not as an like. What fucking player is going to, like, the under-14 matches just to, like, put an arm around the kids and be like, listen, this is Chelsea and we are all Chelsea. Like, and him and JT used to do that. And just, yeah, I don't know. We can move on. I I can't remember the exact... And just, like, something that might get missed as well. Like, obviously, we spoke about his goal scoring and, uh, you know, him being a midfielder and it being ridiculous because he was just box-to-box and everywhere. But I think for his time with Chelsea in the Premier League, he scored against every single team 
that existed in the Premier League during that period. Because when he moved to Man City, the last one to get was, of course, Chelsea. And he scored which against he, <laughs> Which he did. And the fact that he was such a huge part of Chelsea. And, and, he, and, and it's one of the few times where it's like not celebrating against your old club. Like, you, you get it. Right. Yeah. When someone's yeah. been somewhere for three months, 12 years ago, and they go, oh, no, 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 can't that fuck off, just celebrate. It is different now, but like you could buy it and, and respect it. And he, it, it shows how professional he was that he would still just smash that ball in. Uh, that I think it basically won City the title that year. It was a, I, re- I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember it was a really important goal, both to City and against Chelsea. And I remember not even being mad about it, being like, well, of course, of course, like, I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm honored to have been scored on by Frank Lampard. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Ian, do you want to do some players? Uh, Not really. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I I can almost throw one of mine away and I'm sort of fairly happy with that. I mean, Frank Frank Lampard's in. I don't care what you say. Like, I've already written it down. I mean, it is in pencil. Um, but unfortunately, mate, I don't own any rubbers. So, <laughs> yeah, set in stone. Yeah, no, that's fine. We can we can definitely put Lampard in. So then we've got three more midfielders. So who wants to start for the next one? You, mate. You, mate. Come yeah, on. Yeah, it's your turn. Who do I go with then? Oscar needs time to recover to build up to another go. Yeah. Like I just, <laughs> I just relieved him of... Absolutely. I, I caught him off guard. The surprise. The okay. stranger, I believe they call it. Um, <laughs> I'll go Paul Gascoigne. Yes! I figured he was going to be here for you yeah, guys. Yeah, it's, it's impossible not to. It's just, the man was so creative on the ball. His range of passing was unbelievable, but because often he had a bit too much meat on his bones, also he had a physical presence, like you couldn't bully him off the ball. He was a great he was a great tackler. He just, he just had everything. He just pulled everyone around him up. To not quite his level, but you know, he pulled them all along with him, and uh, I mean, he was just something else. And we mentioned the England Scotland game in Euro '96, and the that... one where he did coke off the line. No, no, that was Robbie, that Fowler. Was Robbie Fowler. You always Robbie, make. Oh, that I always mistake. think that this is the raging alcoholic, the dentist yes. chair. Yeah, the, the dentist chair celebration. Um, yeah, the flick over, it was Hendry, wasn't it? And then it was over Hendry, yeah, the ball from Anderton. Yeah, uh, this was so this was that's what's so beautiful because it was after day, so it's all the things that had to happen for that goal to be great. Yeah, like if David Seaman doesn't save that penalty, that goal doesn't happen 90 seconds before. Yeah, absolutely. If that he saves the penalty that goes out for the corner, yeah, uh, Scotland take it in and it, it gradually gets cleared. The ball comes out to Anderton. Anderton plays it over to Gascoigne with his left foot first touch, flicks it over Hendry. Uh, the ball's still in the air and he just hits it. Bottom left corner, past Andy Gorham. Just, it's just precise. Finesse volley, like it's not sort of powered. It's just, yeah. And it, it, the, the celebration afterwards and the reason why, like it was the dentist chair because they're out drinking, etc. The commentary five minutes before, fuck, because this this game was on the other day and I watched it. The yeah. commentary about five minutes before that, the commentator says pretty much word for word, Gascoigne's going to be really disappointed because he hasn't really contributed here. And you and you're like three four minutes <laughs> later, he's he's scoring a goal that twenty four years ago, twenty four years later, sorry, is still the go to if you say think of an England goal. Is that? Yeah, absolutely. On home soil against Scotland after a disappointing game against um, Switzerland, 
we, we hadn't really done anything. Um, yeah, it was it was so important that goal. It was, and, and after, like you say, after Seaman's save as well, when it could have been so different. Um, but yeah, also with Gaza, it's all about it's it's all about the legend because he genuinely was a footballing genius, and you get that eccentricity that always comes with someone who's like a creative genius, and you get. There's all there's a million different stories that you get with Gaza, isn't there? Uh, about you know, and and some of them in light of the alcoholism and stuff isn't aren't necessarily particularly funny. But then there's just the personality of the guy. I mean, one of the first things when he went to Lazio, one of the first things he said to the owner of the club, I won't attempt to do the Italian because I can't quite get it. But he he saw him, he saw him, went to him and went, "Hey, in Italian, your daughter, massive tits." <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. His Italian was notoriously terrible as well, so I bet, I bet a lot of that was in the actions. Fans for Lazio loved him because he punched reporters. He, <laughs> he belched down microphones in interviews. Like, he was... Oh, I, I mean, he... I would watch a documentary about this guy because every single time he comes up, you guys could tell me anything. And I'm like, are they fucking with me or is this real? But it must be real. And, and also, I didn't even know he was that good at soccer because you guys are so... You know, you talk about like, the legend and the myth of the man. Like, I yeah. I knew he was good. I didn't realize he was like he, he, that. one of those players that he was. Just, and, and it will always be said as he was just a naturally incredible footballer. Like he could just yeah. he he wasn't a workman like player. He wasn't structured. No. He was. It was just if you put the ball at his feet, like he could just do incredible things. And he didn't. He didn't play for amazing clubs at amazing times. Uh, you know, he was Newcastle, Tottenham, yeah. Lazio, Rangers. Was Rangers, kind of, yeah. Rangers was where he probably got the most most accolades. But on on the flip side, obviously, you had that, and, he, and he, throughout his career, he had he had big problems with depression and alcoholism and suicidal. And he was he was fucking vilified in the press, like he was destroyed. Like his his. He had Euro '96 where he was incredible, and then he was—he should have been at Euro '98, uh, the '98 World Cup. But the only reason he got dropped was because the press put a load. But the night before the team selection was completely finalised, they put up a load of pictures of him from however long ago, like eating kebabs in the evening. And then Glenn Hoddle, the manager, was just like, "Well, I'm not going to pick him now because of how the press will respond or whatever." And 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 it destroyed him. It completely did. That's really. And it was. Up. It was really. It's. It's. It, it would. Something about him would make an incredible documentary because he was an incredibly, incredibly talented guy. And and on the flip side of it, like he he battled and still does battle with with a hell of a lot of demons. Um, yeah. But in terms of iconic England players, like there's a hell of a lot of love. A hell of a lot of love, uh, but what? What's another one? Give it. Give us your other one, because otherwise we're going to get stuck on this stuff for hours and hours and hours. Another one, then I'll go. I'll go completely different, and I will go uh, Ronaldinho, um, who's a player I mostly know from uh, international exploits, and more specifically the uh, two thousand and two World Cup, which was. Um, Japan and South Korea, wasn't it? Yeah, when he when he knocked England out. When he knocked England out, that's and the then, and uh, Germany lost in the final. Uh, yeah, so. he well, him, Ronaldo, and Rivaldo were just incredible to watch in that tournament. Um, mm. I mean, sickening to watch if you're talking about that court final. But they came back in a big way after '98, like they had to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what was the free kick against Seaman? It must have been like what 40, 35, 40 yards out. 
40 um, yards out on the right, the near side. Yeah, completely took Seaman by surprise. Mm. I, I, you know, you talk about sort of personal moments, whatever, although it was a bad one. Like, I was um, in a pub, all the pubs had opened early. That was a weird thing back then, you know, that pubs had given special licenses to open early because you were watching games at like eight o'clock in the morning or whatever. Um, and I had to convince myself not to drown my sorrows and carry on drinking because I had an A-level physics exam that afternoon. <laughs> and, like, it was just sort of like, no, I've got to stop. But like, and... Then they played, I can't remember whether it was BBC or ITV, but they played Oasis, Stop Crying Your Heart Out as the montage. And I could not listen to that song again without it being taken back to that that moment. But Ronaldinho was just something else to watch that that game and that tournament. So you've both got, you've gone for two very mercurial, like, yeah, it just could do incredible things with the ball at their feet players. Yeah, true. I said gone different. Maybe I was just talking from purely from a nationality <laughs> point of view. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And and also someone who clearly battles demons and has exactly had a yeah. very tumultuous post playing career. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I think the highest, well, not the highest, but to summarize Ronaldinho in you know a few words, he's a soccer player pre two thousand. 14 honestly maybe 2010 that americans know gotcha. like i can go up to a random baby boomer who who is like fuck soccer that's for foreigners and blah 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 blah, and they're like oh ronaldinho yeah that guy i know that guy oh, that's interesting. the brazilian okay. guy yeah he's like his nike commercials his like there are just youtube videos that everybody knows like he transcends he's so good that anti-soccer douchebag americans are still like, wow, that guy's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> and so, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, speaking of players that you can't help but love watching, yeah, I have, I definitely have a soft spot for players where there's a cult of personality behind it. Like, yeah, apparently, yeah. and <laughs> no, a little I'm... overweight too. I'm certainly realizing this. Players that don't like training, players that don't like, you know, they they love a drink, they love a party. Yeah, look, I'm a Ronnie O'Sullivan man, not a Stephen Hendry man, all right? <laughs> all right, well, Chuck, do you have any any center mids to throw into the mix here? I mean, I, I just have one more. I mean, I, I had Gazza down and I could have put him anywhere. Like, let's not pretend that we're going to end up with any sort of cogent structure with this game. <laughs> sure. um, well, you did run out of 4-0-6, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is true. Um... I think again, I mean, I'm going to go honourable mention again for maybe like the best player I've seen live in a, in a centre mid, which was in a game that ended up not really meaning anything. But Yaya Torre on his day watching him live was just incredible. Like how he could just control a game, be there, not really put in much effort, but just do these incredible things and then just bang in a ball from 30, 40 yards. Like it was just incredible. Uh, to watch him and 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 go for for as long as he did with with whatever clubs, but same team, uh, different era. Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, good choice. Yeah, that's a good uh, shout. He's I, amazing. I, I haven't seen a player be able to pick out a pass like that. Be able to like play from right in front of the defense, almost as a centre back in front of two centre backs, like really yeah. weirdly all the way up to playing as the centre attacking mid, the main focal point throughout the whole central 
gut of the team almost and just be able to just run it and just go like, I'm going to put the ball there. Like, not just like over there or in that little area. I'm going to put it on that blade of grass because that guy is currently running at 19.8 miles an hour. <laughs> He's just taken a step off his left foot, which means that by the time he gets there, he'll be in his right foot. And all of this processes in his brain in a fraction of a yeah. second. And the ball flies perfectly. And you're like, how? Like even at pace around players going out from the wing and, and playing those balls that cut. He, he's For me, he's the expert at playing the ball close enough to a defender that they think they have a chance, mm, but far yes. enough away that they do not. And and so it means that they, rather than leaving it and then being able to potentially chase up, they do go for it. And then that's the extra step that the striker or the next player gets to then just clear it. And he's just, he's a little wizard. And I think he's, you know, he's, he's never come close to winning the Ballon d'Or. He's won the, domestic quadruple with City you think maybe if he gets a European uh, trophy maybe he'll get in with a shout but you know obviously living in the era of Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo as we do it limits uh, the spots but I just think KDB incredible 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 player it's a great choice because like for uh, neutral Premier League fans like me players like that are just so important because they're so fun to watch He's so he just makes stuff happen all the time, and yeah, like you say, the the sort of uh, similar to Gazza in a way, his range of passing and the yeah. sort of the natural ability to make those calculations to to just work it out. You know, it's it's just innate. He's just yeah, he's he's quite something. He's he's so fun to watch. Like there's nothing worse than sort of there's a reason why people tune in to those matches even when they're not Man City fans, and it's players like him. Uh, without a doubt he's so so talented that you just can't comprehend sort of what what he's doing so yeah he's so fun to watch it's such a good choice yeah really is good yeah absolutely he was going to be straight into mine but I didn't want to be accused of having an even larger Chelsea bias in there (laughs) does that count as Chelsea bias I don't think that counts as Chelsea bias no (laughs) no you're all right he's very much an open wound also (laughs) I liked him not to sound like a hipster, but I liked him before, <laughs> before he was a Chelsea player because we had been linked with him for a couple of windows. And so I was like, oh, who's this kid that we, there's rumors about? I'll I'll just throw on like a YouTube highlight reel or whatever. And then I saw him and I was like, oh, fuck. If Chelsea land this kid and he was still playing as a left winger back then and on his FIFA card, it. Like, they switched what footedness he was from one year to another. So they couldn't even decide if he was left-footed or right-footed. And his crossing, which is, I think, underrated because he plays so central now. Yeah. His crossing as a kid playing in the Belgian League for either Ghent or Genk. I think Genk with a K. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. uh, Was ridiculous. And I remember when we finally signed him, and he was like a fucking 12-year-old when we signed him. Like, he wasn't a, a glamour signing that anybody knew about at all. But I remember running into the room to Emily and being like, we signed De Bruyne, we signed KDB. And she's like, who? I was like, oh, you'll see. He's, I'm really excited, really excited. You'll and see then, eventually. And then he played for the wrong team in blue. I know. Ugh. And he had one season. I love Mourinho. I will always love Mourinho. But the thing that I despise the most, or that I resent, I should say, the most, is the way that he drove out 
De Bruyne, Mata, Lukaku, and Salah. Well, Salah less so because he just wasn't good when he was at Chelsea. He wasn't. He wasn't good then. No. No, we gave him a shot and it didn't really work out. He got a decent amount of minutes, but De Bruyne had it. And he fucking had it from day one. And unlike so many of us were like, this kid is going to be the thing. And then and then just Mourinho decided, because he does that sometimes. But De Bruyne is like, is it hurts to like watching him. <laughs> yeah. Ian, you talk oh, about sure. like, he's so fun to watch. He, he is the thing that neutral fans love. Yeah. I It hurts me how much I love to watch him because <laughs> he's so good. And he was ours. Yeah. And he was ours yeah. when he was like 12. <laughs> and now he's gone. But so I... For a couple of reasons, I left him out of mind, but he is like just universally likable, at least in terms of his style of play and everything. So I definitely see that. I'll throw out three quick names because I I love midfield generals. So all of my picks were just central (laughs) midfielders. I have no wingers in mind. Um, Yaya, you know, again, free kicks, just a fucking behemoth physical presence in the center of the pitch. So strong. So strong. Yeah. So strong. Uh, similarly, but for much, much, much more emotional reasons, Michael Ballack. Michael Ballack in there. <laughs> yeah, literally the reason I'm a Premier League fan. Literally the reason I'm a Chelsea fan. He came from Bayern Munich to Chelsea right as the World Cup was happening in 06. He was Germany's captain. I was like, okay, let's see these Chelsea guys. Do I like them or is it just like one one guy? But the rest of them suck. Yeah. Because okay, I'm not going to sign up like as a fan choosing. A sport that is thousands of miles away and barely on TV at the time. Mm. I'm not going to pick a team where there's one guy I like and then the rest of them are evil, either terrible or just uh, not fun to watch. Like, if he had gone to Stoke, I wouldn't be a Premier League fan. But he went to Chelsea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, you know, for life. I'm, I'm married to Chelsea Football Club and it's Michael Bell's fault. Um, <laughs> or... Thank you, I guess. Yeah, not, <laughs> the way I said that. Not fault, but yeah. <laughs> it's his fault. Um, and then the one that got away. You know, everybody has that girl that is like, well, not really. But th- that idea of the one that got away is a thing. And that for me is very much Luka Modric. Because he, like, was all but signed for Chelsea. He refused to go to training. He, like, gave interviews. Not in English. He was smart enough to not do it in English. But he gave <laughs> interviews talking about how excited he was to play for Chelsea really soon. And then... Of course, Tottenham was like, no, never mind. We're not actually going to sell him. So, and, and you know, just picks out a pass on a blade of grass like nobody. And he was mm. part of that very exciting young Tottenham squad when Bale was still there, too. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. Despite myself, I would watch them and enjoy watching them. And that was Tottenham. Which is weird because right? they're like, the, the, if thinking about it now, like, you're a Knicks fan. And so, like, Tottenham are very similar. <laughs> Like, they've had some incredibly exciting players throughout the years that had the potential to do so much, and then they sell them all off and fuck it up again and again. Yeah, but it's all about when you come in. Like, in 06, they weren't even on my radar. I came in with, like, I'm going to pick a team that is at least contending for a title, obviously, because why why would I pick a scrub team that isn't even going to be on TV? Also, they would only have, like, two games a weekend on TV back then. I was like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to pick a team that's good, Potentially winning trophies will be on TV regularly. And hopefully from London, in case I go over there, I don't have to go to some northern shit town. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Good to know, even back then, that was a concern. Yeah, absolutely. Well, coming from New York, you know, I gotta be... Fuck's sake. Gotta be who I am. But yeah, I was like, if, I, if it's a London team, all the better. And I was between Chelsea and Arsenal, and thank fuck I chose Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, good choice. Yeah. So those are mine. Um, obviously, Lampard and Gaz. 
do we want to pick a third or do we want to go four four two with two wide players here? Does it matter? I mean, <laughs> I would like it to be at least somewhat coherent. If I'm being honest, going by what we've said and the players that we've all suggested so far as our midfielders, four three three. Okay. Kind of makes sense. So what we're kind of left with here, so if we're saying Lampard for show, if we're going Gaza for show, which is great because finally I get two I get two of my picks in, so that's good. <laughs> um we've got uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Edgar Davids, Michael Balak, Yaya Torre, and Luka Modric. Uh, okay. Now I think just for some semblance of reality then, I feel like Yaya Torre might be the best third choice. Because we've gone very attacking with our other two um, midfielders. Talk about not conceding goals, too. With our defenders and then <laughs> Yaya in there in front of them? Fucking yeah. A. Yeah. That is shut down. That To, to keep a semblance of reality, I, I feel like Yaya Torre is the way to go. I mean, I'm fine with that. He was my pick. And Chuck, you, and Chuck you said, said yeah. you almost picked yeah. him. He so. was like my honourable mention. Is the end. Yeah. Like I said. Okay. All right. Bang in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I figured Balak was going to be a throwaway because no one else cares about him. Even among Chelsea fans, I like overly stan Michael Balak. Oh, it's like Michael Balak. The two mics, Michael Balak, Michael Essien were. Like, oh, I love Essien. Michael Essien. Oh, much love for Essien. Big love for Essien. Okay, so at the minute we recorded, we've been recording for about two hours now, and we're <laughs> halfway through the team. So I think. It's quite a good point uh, to leave it there for next week because we all know we need the content. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but I'll go through it so far as our team. So, in goal, we do have David Seaman. Yes. Uh, right back, Guralu with Philip Lahm. We've got Ramos and company as our centre backs. Roberto Carlos bombing down the left. Sounds good. And then a midfield three of Frank Lampard, Paul Gascoigne, and Yaya Torre. That is like mouthwatering. It. I'm really, like really it. liking this so far. <laughs> yeah, I really like it. Yeah, so what we got to sort out next week? Three strikers, wingers, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I'm yeah. going to say it's <laughs> how lopsided do we, do we just have three strikers? Do we just <laughs> Might be. Uh, it's going to be three left wingers. Uh, we're very one-sided. <laughs> Darren Anderton. <laughs> or a number 10 and two strikers play like a 4-3-1-2. Yeah. Okay, we'll give it some thought. Potentially. Yeah, let's get weird and FIFA with it. Uh, and I think just given how ridiculously long we've been recording and for fear of poor Ian's <laughs> editing, uh, let's let's skip isolation recommendation station this week. Yeah, it took so long for the train to come last week. I don't think we can handle it. Yeah, it, it's running a little late. <laughs> a week late. Yeah, we can tweet out some stuff. If you're really looking for some recommendations, obviously we, we are here to support everybody while they're on lockdown and whatnot. So if, you, if you're looking for stuff, we can tweet some stuff out. Otherwise, we'll save it for next week. Yeah, definitely. We've got we've got some good stuff for next week. Uh, we've got we've got a few things to roll out, and uh, so yeah, it's good to good to talk about football again. A yeah, lot. That's been you nice. can tell it's been a while. Yeah, we're actually talking a lot. I know. Yeah, it was like uh, this was supposed to be like a half hour segment, and we're like two hours <laughs> Ian, in. <laughs> Ian was genuinely worried before. He was just like, I've not got a lot to say. <laughs> he did literally say that, and then you were like, Well, if we do one minute each. We've never had that problem. <laughs> no. I don't know why I worry about it. <laughs> I don't know why I worry about it. Oh, Not with dear. us two. Like, much yeah. like with the bluffery, Ian. Just get out of our way. And we'll... I also knew if I just went Gaza and then just sat back, Chuck would go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even mention that Gaza, my mum says Gaza was my first word. <laughs> exactly, yeah.
There you go. He, he couldn't not I'm be in I'm just glad team. at least one Chelsea player got in there, too. Because I was very concerned about like the blatant anti-Chelsea bias that was going to go on. I think what we need to worry about is the anti-Peterborough bias. One ex-posh player? Come on. I mean, not even you. <laughs> I'm thrilled there's one ex-posh player in you there. Didn't even I didn't, you didn't even suggest I know, I didn't even suggest I didn't think I had a chance. I, I wanted Bosnich. Bosnich. <laughs> Bosnich and Southall. That says everything about you and your aspirations in life. Uh, thank you very much, gents, for recording. Uh, Oscar, say bye-bye. Bye. And Ian, say bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we'll see you next week for the rest of our terribly unbalanced team. Take care, ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye. Miles Offside is a Nate Whittam and Mark Howells production.